So now you've stated the particular constitutional provision and you've told me that the Constitutional Court in Sitau has said that you must look at the history of the right and why it is you must look at the history of the right. You need to then discuss what the history of the right says, whether it be the right to protest or the right to basic education. And then next you move on to the purpose of the right. And you'll see that in the Sitau judgment in particular, and I've set out there on the slide which pattern you need to go and look at. I think it's pattern 61. If you look at the Sitau judgment, it lists quite a number of purposes that the right is meant to serve. And one of the main purposes is that the right to protest is what they refer to as a foundational right. And what they mean by a foundational right is that it serves as the foundation for the exercise of other rights. So the right to protest helps you in order to be able to exercise your right to freedom of expression. Because if you can't protest about your unhappiness with the lack of, of service delivery, then you can't freely express yourself. Okay, So one of the, the rights, that foundational rights that the right to protest then helps you to further is the right to freedom of expression or to freedom of association, who it is that you want to associate yourself with. You want to associate yourself with like-minded people, with people that are similarly unhappy with uh, a lack of service delivery by the side of government, and together you form this group of people, freedom of association, to express freedom of expression, your unhappiness with government, through the use of your right to assemble freely. Okay. So now, if you think about a particular issue that you feel strongly about, like often females in the class who tell me that they feel strongly about gender-based violence or they feel strongly about, um, let's say, the issue in particular of, of, of the rape of women. So one thing protest allows for, in addition to these other freedoms like association and freedom of expression, it also helps to affirm one's dignity and, and facilitate self-actualization in the processes, the words that they use. And it helps to, to fulfill one's dignity because if a rape victim wants to stand out and protest and maybe voice in a crowd of people, uh, speak about the experience of being, of being raped as a form of protest, broader protest that's happening, that actually affirms her sense of dignity. And I think about my niece, for instance, she was probably six years old when the when the Zuma must fall protest happened and and everybody went out onto the streets and and marched thousands of people in the city marched uh, against Zuma and the finance minister that had just been switched for the millionth time. And she was in the street and she was taking her sign and she was screaming Zuma must fall and she could tell you a bit about what the situation was. Her being able to participate in that process facilitates the development of her particular personality and her, her unique talents. And, and it affirms Manisa's dignity to be able to participate in that process. And then finally, the right to process is absolutely essential when it comes to the well-functioning of a liberal democracy. Because... We have these elections and then we have a certain amount of years go by and then we have elections again, right? And we get to have a say 
over who represents us. But between those elections, what, what say do we have in the way we are being governed, right? During those periods of time from one election to another, when we have our representative democracy at work, when we want to speak to government and we want to express our frustrations with government for failing to deliver on or for increasing the the cost of electricity for the millionth time, we want to protest against ESCOM uh, for doing so, we are able to speak directly to government through protest. So we all take our placards and we say uh, electricity prices must fall and we walk uh, through Wales Street and we reach Parliament and we are, we are protesting in front of Parliament. That gives us an opportunity to speak directly to government and say we are unhappy with the cost of electricity and you don't need to wait until the ballot box comes in order to have your say about your unhappiness if the government of the day is making you unhappy. Okay, The right to protest is also particularly important when it comes to what we refer to as alienated voices. So I want you to think of, and this is also important for purposes of, of assessments, I want you think, to think of particularly vulnerable vulnerable groups when it comes to um, having a say, when it comes to being heard in society. And one of those vulnerable groups are, are when I refer to vulnerable groups, I'm referring to people that don't have economic power. So when you have money in your pocket, it's easier to have a say. If you have big bucks and you are unhappy about something, it's easy to be able to purchase a space in a television series where you are able to know that uh, the other citizens and government will be watching and you put this huge advertisement up where you say that you are unhappy about increases in the price of electricity, right? Or you purchase a huge space in the, in the Sunday Times and you say you are unhappy about the right to electricity. That, that economic wealth that you have to do that gives you added power to have your voice heard. But there are people that don't have that economic power. So think about children, for instance, nine times out of 10, or if you're under the age of 16, in fact, you can't have a job, or nine times out of 10, those children over the age of 16 uh, don't perhaps have work. Um, and because of that, they lack economic power. Or if you think about often asylum seekers or people that are in South Africa that are that are undocumented people, they don't really have an opportunity to have a say because they lack that economic power. They're not even often allowed to work in the country or some of them are not at all allowed to work in the country. And because of this, they lack economic power. But foreigners and children also are not allowed to go to the ballot box. Remember, we spoke about going to the ballot box to have your say. And often children and refugees don't even have that opportunity to exercise and enjoy representative democracy because they are politically weak. They lack political power. So when it comes to these alienated and marginalized groups who lack economic and lack political power, it is in a sense, more valuable the right to protest for them because it gives them this opportunity to be heard when they otherwise might be pushed to the margins of society, to be to be ignored, to be dismissed, the concerns they now have through the right to assemble this ability to be able to have their voices heard. 
And obviously, when you are sitting in a group of people versus sitting by yourself on the side of the pavement saying, ESCOM electricity prices must fall, you're sitting on the pavement. Some people might think oh, this person must be a bit psychotic. There's something wrong with this person. They're sitting randomly on the pavement with a poster up. But when you're sitting with a group of like-minded people, with a group of 90 other people all protesting on electricity, all of a sudden your, your, your voice becomes louder because there are so many other voices that are singing with you and making your voice louder, right? And another thing that the right to protest assists with is if we are very angry, right? Think, uh, I'll never forget, I think most of you would have been in second year when Jessie Hess was, um, I hope I'm saying the, na the name right, but when she was murdered and, and there was a lot of anger on campus, it was so palpable. I remember a lot of students didn't even pitch to class because they absolutely had to go and participate in these processes, in these uh political process and these uh, these gatherings that students were having in order to express their anger and their frustration at what had happened to her. And our anger, everybody's anger around the, the level of gender-based violence that is going on in the country at the moment, the abuse and the rape of women. And because of the right to protest, we have this opportunity to get that anger off our chest and to tell government we are not happy with this this is traumatizing. We want something to be done about this. So it gives that opportunity to citizens and to people in the country to be able to just, just release some of that anger. And so the right to protest is so important. And another reason why it's important is that when issues are raised, when, when 100 people march to parliament about electricity must fall, all of a sudden the media is interested. All of a sudden the media is paying attention. And there's a report happening on, on the night on ENCA, 100 people march to Parliament or maybe a 1,000 people more likely if it's on the media march to Parliament saying that electricity prices must fall. Recently, electricity prices have gone up again by X percentage and then all of a sudden we get more news reports and then people are listening to the news and then people are in houses, they are celebrating Easter with their families if they celebrate Easter, and they were discussing the issue of how high the electricity prices are, and someone says, oh, but it's not so high, and others say, are you crazy, and a debate ensues, and people are talking about it, and so this is how we see the right to protest actually generating debate within the country, right? And so the right to protest serves a number, I can't go through all of the purposes, but it serves a number of purposes. And what I need you to be able to do is to be able to tell me Section 17 states what it states, and then you're going to look at the history of the right, and you're going to tell me what the history and how that history is relevant to the particular specific right that we are, are looking at. And then you're going to be telling me that in order to understand what the content of the right to protest is, we must understand what the purpose of the right is. And then you're going to be relying on your case law. Remember, you are lawyers. You're not just pulling these things from out of nowhere. There are particular cases. So you'll be explaining to me in case X and in case Y or in case Z, the Constitutional Court or whichever court it may be has explained that the purpose of the right to protest is A, B and C. So you're going to be connecting the history of the right to protest with the purposes of the right to protest in order to answer a question on whether the right to, to freedom of assembly, I often say protest in short, but whether the right to freedom of assembly has been violated.